of your more famous and more of your uh, projects that have been Singapore Social, right? Yeah. I thought it was a great show. Uh, it was a great experience. It was Netflix Global. I mean, this came from Netflix US. I get to work with an American production team, but still in my home, in my country. We have new fans from around the world, unlike our Singapore fans who pretty much hated it. <laughs> the views, information, and opinions expressed in this podcast and this YouTube channel are solely the views of the individuals involved. It does not reflect the views of their organizations, employers, and employees, past, present, and future. Before we begin today's episode, let me tell you more about Asia's largest podcast conference, the Asia Podcast Festival. Meet passionate podcasters and industry professionals from all around Asia and the world under one roof to learn, grow professionally, and most importantly, evolve and improve the podcasting community here in Asia during two days of exciting talks, workshops, and networking events. So whether you are new to this, a hobbyist, or a professional podcaster, there will be something for you. And if you're an advertising agency or media professional in radio, TV, or any form of digital media, you can find out about how podcasting can and should become an important part of your strategy. This cool event takes place on the 3rd and 4th of December, and you can find out more and get your tickets from www.asiapodcastfestival.com. See you there! Like this show? Then rate it 5 stars and subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uncool is a podcast by creatives at work. It is produced, written, and hosted by Sean Lee Wincheong and co-hosted by Yen Ling Lo, co-produced by Raven Lim, and edited by Ray Ng. Uncool. It's cool to be uncool. You know that we all talk to our guests, right, about how they were cool before they became cool. But not many people know that Yen Ling is also pretty cool in the recycling business. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I run A1 Environment and we are the only coffee recycling company in Singapore right now. Since we're on that topic, do you know how many coffee grounds you approximately consume every year? Well, that's about 6 million kilograms. And almost all of it goes straight to the bin and contributes to food waste. A1 Environment's goal is to recover those spent grounds and find other users for them. To find out more and how you can give your coffee waste new life, check out A1 Environment by scanning the QR code below. For our audio-only listeners, check out www.a1environment.com.sg. And it's just an example that Yen is very multi-talented, very cool. Like our guest today, he's also, well, he's not just multi-talented, right? I mean, he's like a legend. And why? Because if you watch like on Netflix, Singapore Social, they said, oh, he's like the mayor of Singapore. Right? How legendary is that? Wow. Uh, look, if you, if you want to go... Straight to that level, it, it's gonna be for my father, obviously. So my my dad, my dad was a legend. Like he he is a legend here, right? He he was, you know. So the amount of stories I hear about all his exploits and and what he used to do back in the day. Uh, and mind you, I mean he he grew up in a time where I think you get you could get away with a lot of things. So he's got a lot of infamous stories. So I think I'm just trying to. Uh, fill his shoes basically so if i ever hit legendary status as you so kindly already put me on the pedestal of then uh i have to say i, I got it i got it from my papa okay but let's take a step step back and i'm going to date myself here as well and i'm probably going to date paul as well but i think the very first time we saw you on tv was in this show called the big unknown or something you were like in dreadlocks in melbourne in deakin and well, basically, that was what the show was about but so what exactly happened on that production like did they like Follow you around Melbourne, did they like send you gear? I say, hey, go film yourself like a vlog. Yeah, how, how do you even get involved? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what happened there? Right, so that 
that is the perfect story of right time, right place. I had just ORD'd from the army. So I served my two years of national service. You know, that was October. And then I was planning a Euro trip. I was like, okay, after ORD, I'm getting my dreads. I'm getting my piercings. You know, I'm going to break, break out of the soldier mold, go overseas and just have fun. Catch up with all my friends uh, that basically went to uni right after school, right? Because they, they all went to, you know, I had two years. I was two years behind everyone because they all went to uni. So I went to, you know, to the UK to see a whole bunch of family and friends there. And then I went over to Holland to see uh, another good friend over there and back to the UK. And then I was supposed to put another trip in, but... I got this call to audition for The Big Unknown. They were like, listen, could you come back and audition for this reality series where they're going to follow you to university and it's just to show students here in Singapore or, you know, as they as they go through school and just about to graduate from school, uh, thinking about where they want to go for their tertiary education, where they're going to go for university. So I was like, okay, uh, I cut my trip short. It was a, it was a friend of mine that asked me to come come to the audition uh also because that was december and i was going to uni in february right i went to melbourne so we were starting the the semester in february again perfect timing i came back i absolutely aced the audition as i usually do uh <laughs> <laughs> you know being being the legend that i am but you know it, it just it just all fell into place i i was one of three students i was the only guy i went to australia in the summer to a less known university, so to speak. I had friends there already. I made new friends. I was the fun guy that just went out there, you know, post-national service and wanted to get my degree, but also have a lot of fun while doing it. They followed a, they followed a girl in Singapore, I think it was, uh, or, or one of the business uh, universities back then. This is 2002. Uh, so she did economics and then they followed another girl who was in London during winter doing medicine. So when you look at the cards on the table, I came off as the, oh, we have to watch him because he's having so much fun doing all these things in the summertime, with the you know, in, in, yeah, with the dreadlocks who knows how to engage the camera. You know, I, I knew how to do it, and 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 I guess it worked. And you know, I, I got a lot of offers after that. I I started to mo do modeling. I got picked up by Elite back then. You know, when it was still around, and it opened other doors in, into the entertainment world. Whilst I was still doing my degree in Australia, still at university. And showing your question of did a crew follow me? Did they just give me gear? Well, it was a combination of both. They gave me a camera, like a camcorder, because you know it's two thousand two, right? Yeah, yeah. camcorder. a camcorder. <laughs> do your yeah, do your uh, do your like digital diaries, right? Do your do your video diaries. Capture anything that you you know you can capture when we're not around. Uh, and then twice in my first semester, they sent a crew over for two weeks at a time. And then for those two weeks, on those two times, we went and did a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, on campus, off campus, and yeah, it was it was fun. So what happened to the rest of that cast actually? Do you do you, you, you still know where where they went to the two Oh my gosh, that's a that's a great question. I have no idea. Are you gonna Google I, them right now? <laughs> I know I know at one point we did say and I, I said this to the, the producer, 
uh, who was also my director, right? And I said, hey, we have to have like a 10 year reunion, right? Obviously, at some point. Um, yeah, at some point, right? But technically, we're almost coming to 23 years, right? Because it was February, it was February to June uh, 2002. So I've already passed that. So maybe I need to uh, get in touch with my, my, oh my producer and ask her <laughs> if we can organize this reunion. <laughs> or, you, you, or you just try to insta, insta them or something. I don't know. You, I, I could try. I could try. I sincerely hope that they're both very successful in their careers because obviously they went to uni and they're happy and they're healthy. I mean, I know one of them should be a doctor at the very at the very oh, least. At the very yeah, least. Yeah. yeah, at the very least. So what was your vibe like back in, in uni then? What if you were to dig your own report cards? Well, what would they say about Paul Foster? You have to write your own summary. Well, own report card. Wait, wait. <laughs> Is this is this in terms of academic or non-academic? So I'll tell you what, guys. After after two years of national service, uh, I'll be the first to admit my brain was dead. It, 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 it happens. It, 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 it happens. It, it it took me the most part of that semester to really train my brain to learn again, as in academically learn. You know. Going to lectures, going to tutorials, reading, studying, memorizing, getting it in, and 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 so on and so forth. So it, it took me the first semester to really get into it. Having said that, it was it was a lot of fun. So I did okay. I did okay at uni, uh, you know. But but again, I, I had a lot of fun off campus because that that's what uni is all about. I mean, my report card would be like the fun Singaporean mature student who has come here. To basically embrace life and and you know kick ass basically because okay look my grades in school weren't great so what got me into uni was the fact that I was an international student I was a mature student who had served national service so it looked really good on my resume and the fact that I was a national rugby player oh yeah so, you have national yeah, rugby player yeah. So these these three things, when they saw like they saw my grades, they're like, mm. "Can pass? Okay, come." Can lah, can lah. <laughs> then they saw my other resume, and they're like, "Oh, this is good." You know, international students pay more. We need the international school flavor. You know, we we need we need to have these students coming in and and bringing their cultures and and whatnot. And you know, they they they, they have a quota. They need to they need to fill yeah, their quota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then again, everything else I said, I was, I was the mature student. So, hey, man, I rocked it. I, I stayed on residence for the first year, right? But I'm, I'm the guy that's coming in, in, you know, at 21 years old as a first-year student. So other students are like 18, 19 in first year. I'm 21 already. I'm, I'm, technically, I'm technically a third or fourth-year student. So when I get there, no one can screw with me because I'm already like, well, what do you want to do? We're the same year, but I'm with the same grade, but I'm older. You're a year above me, but I'm still a year above you or two years above you. You're two years above me, but I'm still one or two years above you. So it, it so for me, I was like, I, I was on campus. I was like, or at least on my residence. They were like, wow, okay, this guy's like someone that we can't really like, you know, mesh around with. And, and, I've, and I've heard this kind of stories across the board for all my friends who went to NS and then went to uni, especially in America. Because in America, in America, you have to be 21 to drink alcohol. Oh, that so makes a difference. You go there as a first year student in university and you're already legal drinking age. So everyone's like, oh my God, can you buy us alcohol? Can you buy us alcohol? <laughs> because right, you're that guy. You're you're officially you're officially of age. And then 
if you're if you're like you know you know the frat houses there right one of my oldest friends super cool guy doesn't take any crap he went there and you know in the frat house there's all the hazing right you have to haze the first year students to 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 see whether they can tahan what they can tahan and then bring them in he was basically like you know drinking hand the whole time they're like trying to make him do stuff and he's like no and he and he's quite a big guy he's quite a big guy so he's like nope i'm not i'm not doing that and they're like but, but you have to you're like you know you're first year i'm like i may be first year but i'm older than all of you and i'm bigger than all of you so you can't make me do anything basically they're like uh, okay <laughs> you just you just try to be a part of the whole thing and we won't do anything to you but at least you know but it, it was funny when you look at it that way so i had a good start to my uni career because again of my of my age and my background and the fact that i had a tv crew following me around in the first semester so everyone everyone knew who i was they're like hey that's paul from singapore and he's getting filmed by a crew for like some reality series oh and he actually served in the army for two years you know and he's a national rugby player so it's like whoa who is this guy so yeah and, and just to get this out of the way before we move on like but what is it like to be a national rugby player first and foremost it's an honor right you you're you're representing your country i think that, that's the whole thing. If you play for your country, if you hit national colors, I think you have to have a real sense of pride. That's the first. That's the first thing. So we weren't getting paid to play rugby. We would. We were just getting selected because we obviously played well enough. And if you, you still had to go through the trials, you still had to play at a good level at club, club level, or age group, school age group, club. And then you still have to make the squad, right? And then you still have to make a starting 15 or at least be in the subs bench. You, so you might be in the squad, but you might not have actually ever played. So I, I was very lucky I got two caps against uh, China and Malaysia for my senior level. And then I kept on getting injured. But I played a lot of age group leading up to that. Uh, Thailand, Hong Kong, Sri Lanka. I've been lucky in Japan, played against Japan in age group. So I've, been, I've, I've played against quite a few countries in that sense. And... and that's really cool. I think it's great. I think, I think again, if you, if you play any sport for your country, that's a real honor. I think that's the only thing I'll say. There's a lot of pride there. Yeah. Do you miss it? Uh, tremendously. If I, if I could still be playing, I would, but age now, def- I mean, I retired, I actually, I retired quite early, to be honest, but I used to get a lot of injuries. Um, and then when my career started to get really busy, I, I started to become a target for a lot of people to be like, hey, that's the guy oh, on TV. Really? Right? That, uh, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the like, model. Let's that's see the model. what I can like, that's yeah. Let, yeah, let, yeah, exactly. That's, 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 the pretty, that's the pretty boy, right? Like, oh, okay, let, let's, let's go and hunt down him a, 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 a little bit more, you know? All in good spirit because, you know, we all kind of knew each other as well. But it, it, it was like that. And it started to become to a point with work. If I got injured, it oh, meant yeah, that I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't work. And that was when it started to get really bad, right? So I was like, okay, more time to even recover from injuries. If I got injured, I can't work. If I can't work, I can't play. If I can't play, I can't. Oh, I was like, forget it. Let me just focus on, on my career and, and, and get things going. But uh, I definitely do miss it. I do, I do miss uh, playing rugby a lot. You were the mayor of Singapore back then already. You were I, like I just touring but, around. But you could, you could see, you could see where the roots were already. The foundation was already, yeah. <laughs> you know, already there. You you went in without actually thinking about like okay this is where I want to go this is my entertainment industry this is where I'm heading to, right? Did you have no. any inkling of that even before the show? No, no, no. Because I I went to uni to do sports coaching administration. I did I did a double degree in like sports coaching management and business admin. 
so there was no like I'm gonna be in you know an entertainment uh, entertainer. I'm, I'm gonna get into the entertainment industry. I there was none of that at that point in time. I just was like I need to go to uni and I need to do something in uni that I love. The advantage of going to NS was I saw how a lot of my friends struggled at uni and didn't like the course they were doing, didn't like the country they were in, didn't quite fit into the university they were at. So I saw a lot of people change, change degrees, change countries, change universities. So I learned from that. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go in. I'm going to choose a city that I, that I love, the energy and the vibe of, a university that also has the same energy, and a degree where I actually like doing those topics. Yeah, something that I have some passion it. I was good at two subjects in school. Basically, it was like sports and business. That was the two things I was good at. <laughs> so I was like, so okay, that- I just combined it <laughs> and I'll do that. <laughs> so, so in an alternate universe, if you weren't in entertainment and media, you would be like working in sports. Yeah, I think so, actually. I mean, my growing up as a kid, of course, my, my dream would be like, oh, I'll be some professional rugby player or basketball player, you know, something like that, right? I'll, I'll just like be a, be a pro, be an athlete. And then as I got older, I was like, yeah, that's not happening. That's a whole other level of like, you know, fantasy levels. So yeah, I I I, I notched it down a little bit. I, I thought, okay, you know, let me just get a, a degree in what I love and then everything else will fall into place later. You know, again, the advantage of doing NS was I saw a lot of things happen where so many people with careers where actually their degree didn't even matter in that mm. career. Okay. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So and, I was like, okay. So you really fell into this entertainment industry. I am, uh, of course, we've seen you do other things over the course of the years as well. But I think mainly you have been this uh, host, actor, model. Um, that is your career. Do you think you would have tried anything else then apart from sports and, and this thing which you started relatively early? Uh, right musical theatre. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, I tried musical theatre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know, one day I still have to do something on stage because I need to finish my, my trifecta. I've done TV, I've done film, but I haven't done stage yet. So I need to do stage to finish my trifecta of uh, acting. One day, one day. I don't know when. There'll, there'll be a small role for me somewhere and I'll take it and I'll the, do the it. The tree at the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, actually, that's what I used to do in school. Like, you know, the school place. I was a tree once. I remember that very fondly. Another time, I was like some sort of like uh, Egyptian guard, you know, very easy one. Just stand there and like, <laughs> and just play the part, right? Enough. Don't need to so say any actually, lines. Don't need actually, to sing. you did it already. Yeah, you did it. Did it. Okay, la, but okay, la, I need to do it as a pro. I need to do it as a pro. <laughs> okay, okay. Paul Foster for musical theater, everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, some, <laughs> at, at some point. At it's, some point. <laughs> Agent Pang, if you are listening. That one might be a bit too, a bit too high. <laughs> For my first son, I might need to again. You see, even at even at my age, even at, at my point of my career, I might I might need to go for something much smaller, smaller production somewhere. Yeah, so I know. There, I look, there look, might I, still be a tree somewhere behind. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Look, I'm realistic. I'm realistic. I get it. I know where I fit in, and you know, I'd like to start somewhere where I think I am deserving of starting, rather than okay, must go here. I can start here. It's okay. So basically, if I if I didn't fall into the into the entertainment industry, um, I mean, I I'd be doing business, some sort of business somewhere, right? I mean, 
I was very lucky to be given opportunities in, in my younger days, even coming back from Melbourne, in fact. And I came back from Melbourne after graduating from uni in 2005. So in actual fact, I brought back uh, a mobile app already in 2005. The app was called Tapped, and it was a bar and club guide. So what would happen is you can go into the app, and then you could find out all the bars and clubs, and uh, you know what, what's happening, what night is it tonight, what night is it tomorrow. I give you drink vouchers, you get mobile M vouchers, we called them, things like this, blah, 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 blah. But in 2005, there was actually no, there was no app store, there was no real apps. Actually, apps were like still relatively unknown. We had just come into, I don't even think we were at 3G yet. I think we were at 2.5G. Uh, I think or 3G had just and launched. We were on iPhone 1 and now we're on iPhone 4. Uh, yeah. It was, yeah. yeah it, was, it was along those lines, right? The telcos like Starhub and Sintel, they wanted 70% of the revenue. So it would have been a 70-30 split, which was like mad. So in actual fact, that was the first real business I was given to, to take the rights from Australia to bring back to Singapore to do. But I was too ahead of the curve. It was too early. Because that whole scene, even with the bars and clubs itself, because we had some great bars and clubs back then, but but even that at the peak of when it could have married very nicely with the with the app, it only kind of happened in 2008, maybe 2009, seven, eight, nine, around this period. So I was about two years, three years too early. Um, but at that time too, I was just building up my entertainment career. So it, it could have gone either way. If that app went really well and I kept pushing at it and I and I kept it going and I got it, and again, I was probably only shy of a couple of years, I, I it could have been a different story and I might have focused on that and just kept going down that road. But also at the same time, my career um, you know, on uh, in front of camera, on stage, so to speak, was was building up on stage as hostler, not as a as an actor. Uh, but it was it was it was building to the point where I was like, okay, well look, I've got money i'm getting paid to do this work and I'm, I've, I've got a revenue stream here where i can make a living versus absolutely zero revenue stream great idea on paper it should be a home run but it just wasn't quite working so i was like okay you know what i, I need to cut cut loss here and focus on where i can i can i can make good and and and, and get a career so that's it but yeah, business has always been in my blood. I've been I've been lucky in that sense. I think that's something I got from my dad. But you know, my, my life would have been a totally different story as well. If my father was still alive, I also believe that I probably wouldn't be in the entertainment scene necessarily because that would have been I would have gone a different way where he would have been my mentor to help me do a lot of different things and see where I could go in terms of business. So it, it it's it's weird to think that way. That would have been my starting point until, you know, you get you get the, the two piles in front of you. And you got to choose which one you're going to take. And, and, and I went this way. And, yeah. and here I am. <laughs> it's been going well for you so far. Before we unpack all your business things, which is what we're going to talk about. Clearly, I think one of your more famous and more of your uh, projects have been Singapore Social, right? So how much of that narrative is scripted beforehand? And also... You guys don't get really control over the editing, right? Beyond what they filmed. So exactly how accurately were you like portrayed? Uh, and you, you guys were portrayed it? in that yeah. show. How do you feel about it? Yeah. I thought it was a great show. Uh, it was a great experience. It was Netflix Global. I mean, this came from Netflix US. It's not even Netflix Singapore who was supposed to do things for the show. 
after Netflix US was like, okay, now it's all done, it's edited, it's here, you should take over. And they didn't really do much with it anyways, unfortunately. Um, it was, it was, it's, it's a global show. Like, how often do you get given a chance to do a production on that level? So for me, I was like, yeah, hell's yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I get to work with an American production team, but still in my home, in my country. Like, that's easy. I have to be doing reality, which some people might be like, well, some people might be like, it's reality, but maybe I'll want to skew this reality to show a different reality to really who I am. For me, I don't really care. I, I was on the show and I was myself for the whole three months, four months that we were filming. Don't forget, I was already the older guy. I was already established. I already Again. knew... I, yeah, like, I really like the big unknown, yeah. you know, this guy. Yeah, you're like the big yeah, brother yeah, yeah. wherever you go. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know. I mean, well, yeah, exactly. Big unknown, 2002, right? Singapore Social, 2019. Like, you know, it's it's it was 17 years from my first reality show to my last reality show, um, and I have done a few. I've done a lot of production in between all that, so I'm no stranger to the camera. I already know who I was compared to the other cast members who were still trying to find their way. You know, they were, they were all very young. They were all still in their early to mid, late 20s. They were still figuring out who they were, what their careers are going to be, uh, you know, everything. So for them, it was a real journey. And a lot of them have never really been in front of camera either, actually. It was a very big learning step for them. Whereas for me, I knew everything. I knew how to find the camera. So even when they were shooting, I would have to like move some of the cast members because they would like start to yeah, cover the camera. So all, all, all the camera guys were like, we love you, man. We love you. Because they're like, they're so far away. They can't do anything. And they're like, oh, thank God. Because they couldn't get the shot. So I'm like, no, I got you. Don't worry. The fact that uh, I was myself. And again, like I told, I told everyone on the show, like if you don't want something to make a final cut, you know, all you have to do is break, break the fourth wall, look at the camera or swear or say something out of character whatever it is right in that moment and that would have ruined a certain thing uh, um, for example because you're right we don't have any rights or control or editing but that's with any, any production we do Sean you know very well how it works we're, we're just talent right we just do the job that we're booked to do as best as we can give you the right footage for you guys to then edit it and cut the story to how it would be best portrayed on screen for the audience don't forget we shot over three months. They had well over 500 hours worth of footage from three cameras. Three cameras, 500 hours, and they literally cut that down to like, well, it was like 40, was it like 45 minutes per episode times eight episodes, right? Or whatever it is. It's like maybe, let's say, let's say 500 hours to 500 minutes of, of footage. That, that's a lot to do. That's a lot. So when you ask if it's scripted, it's not scripted. But how it works is, in the first month, we're building the characters, we're building the stories, we're building the relationships so that they start to know where the tangents lie. They start to know where the stories are. They start to know which character needs to do what with, with which character because you need to interweave all six of us together or else you don't have a show. Doing that for those <laughs> number of episodes across that period of time is very difficult. So it's not scripted because they never gave us a script to learn. They never said, okay, this is, how, this is what you have to say. Rather, it's like, okay, guys, you know, we're going to book you for three days next week. You're going to be doing a restaurant scene with Suki. You're going to be doing a shopping scene with May. Uh, and then you're going to go and have a chat with Vinny. So they're like, okay, 
what they want to do is then say, in this conversation, you should talk about these topics because this is something that we're seeing that's reoccurring from before. And we need to develop these topics because we need to find out where the story is leading to next. And then what happens, right? So they're not scripting it, but they're maneuvering us to steering us towards what storylines they want us to talk about so that when they cut it at the end, they have a storyline. That that's, that's basically right? it. Yeah. So, so, so it's exactly. a lot of improv. It's a lot of improv in the sense. It's very spontaneous. It's, well, it's all improv from our side because we still have to sit like this and have a chat for them to film, right? So they don't have a control of what we're saying, but don't forget also, we might be shooting for like an hour and a half, you know, overall, two hours for that for that scene, but we're filming for like 45 minutes, one hour, and they're probably only going to take two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They take two minutes from a 45-minute conversation. Oh, yeah, they, know, they, know, they know exactly where they want to take it. We talk the whole time. It's about warming up. It's about getting to know each other. It's about hitting everything. So let's just still take notes because they'll be like, ooh, this is quite interesting. And this leads us to something else. Let's, let's put that in our pocket. But they know from that scene, okay, we only need that two minutes. This one. This one part right here is perfect. Take out. Edit it a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit. Perfect. Clamp it in because that now leads to the next one. That's all it is. So, yeah. Did you actually have any interaction with the other cast members outside of, you know, those instances where they put you together? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we got to know each other a lot better because of the show. Uh, a, a few of us already had known each other um, or known of each other. Uh, and obviously, over the course of that period, because we spent so much time together, it, it was more genuine we became at least now i can say they're like they're my friends right before like some of them were my friends some of them maybe were acquaintances and then now after that at least i can say we, we went through a journey together regardless of what everyone thinks and says we we were all part of this show that again shot over three months we got to know each other a lot more in depth even though we could have been put in situations where we're like told to like maybe talk about this particular subject or this topic or you know, can you go in this direction? But it's still genuine. It's not like it's not like I sat there and I was like listening to them and I was going out one year, you know, like in one year out the other and I was just like, okay, I don't really care what they're saying. I just want to do this so they can get the shot. And I'm waiting for them to prompt me to be like, oh, can you talk about this? I felt like I genuinely wanted to be there. I genuinely wanted to help. We, we all became each other's like therapists, I guess, so to speak. Because uh, right. a lot, a lot of the times, there was like a lot of uh, as you do with friends or family. Like you know, if you have, you need to do something. So who do you who do you turn to? You turn to people that um, you respect or admire or love, and and you know, you 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 have a chat and you see what can be done, right? So that that's how it was, and uh, you know, we're still all in touch as as much as possible. Everyone's actually super busy which is great as well. It was a good stepping stone and learning curve for all of us. And and yeah, I mean, we have new fans from around the world, you know, that actually, actually appreciated the show and us, unlike our Singapore fans who pretty much hated it. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of liking it and hating it, I remember you said you didn't really care about the comments, good or bad. Because... Because to you, it's like, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. That, that, that's how you live by. And so I absolutely agree with you. I wish more people did that. But, you know, as reasonable as it sounds, people, it's just easier for people to shoot their mouth off. 
Um, how do you control yourself to live by that mantra so so strictly, and how do you accept all these comments? Especially, you know, you're you're in the limelight a lot of the time. That's what your job is. I think that's the whole point. Though. I don't really care. I just don't. I don't. I don't care. If you are nobody and you don't mean anything, I don't care. You know, if you're gonna be rude, there's no skin off my back. You you don't mean anything to me. If you're nice, that's great. We you know, I'll, we can. We'll have a chat. I'll respond. It's all good. That's that's very nice that you're being very kind. I appreciate that positive energy. But if you're rude, I'm like, wow, okay, you have issues, man. Like, <laughs> you're, obvi- you're obviously upset about something. Uh, you know, maybe you want to be a legend like me, but you cannot. So I understand. You know, I understand that you're upset. Um, but no, I mean, you know, j- joking aside, it's people do a lot of things like that because they want a reaction. They want to get a, a response. So the moment you go down to that level and respond to them that way, that, that's what they want. So there's, there's no need to feed into that, to that kind of, you know, negative uh, trolling, especially right? when, they, when they heavily criticize you and they try to personally attack you without actually knowing you personally or when all the facts, when all the facts are wrong, it's the best. Like they're like, Walawe, you Angola, go back to your home country. You're not even born here, <laughs> never even school here. You think uh, what? We get you for the show, then they show only you from Angola. Then you're supposed to be Singapore social, just call it whatever lah. You know, it's like, dude, you can Google me straight away and you'll know for a fact that I'm born here. I've grown up here. I went to school here, even though it wasn't local school. I still went to school here. I served my national service. I played rugby for Singapore. I played netball for Singapore. You know, this is my home. Why am I still here? This, this is my home. I love Singapore. So these are the funny things where I'm like, wow, you, again, I, it's laughable because I'm like, wow, you, you, you look like a clown here. You, you're the idiot. You're writing all these things that if you do a 10 second Google check, you would know for a fact that you're totally wrong. So there's no even need to be like, to respond to that. Cause it's like, and anything you do, they get all upset and like, you know, they wow, they get, get even more aggro and it's like, okay, yeah. Like I said, they, they, they have some sort of issue. Um, you know, they're stuck at home in their dingy room and they're, they're just not happy. You know, they're, they're, they're taking it out on other people and fair. Like, look, life is hard. Life is hard. It's not, life is not easy. But you don't have to be a dickhead about it, you know? You can be a nice person. People should be embracing other people and should be supportive of other people. When you go to that level where you're putting other people down, I, I really feel like, and, and for, no, for no real reason, that's another thing. Like, if someone did something terrible, sure. If you have facts and you have proof, you have evidence, something really bad, they did something very, very bad. And, you know, and you want to call them out for it. And you want to be like, okay, you know, that's, that was wrong. Sure, but if they haven't done anything wrong, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be rude to other people, you know? Uh, yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah, and it's so easy for them to just be typing behind the keyboards, right? It's yeah, yeah. I look, I've often I've offered to say I don't stood on to their level, so I've had chats with them. Like, you know, I'll comment, I'll I'll reply to a comment and I'm I'm very upfront, I'm very on table because I'm not gonna show them like it didn't really affect me, but I wanna see if I can and it's not necessarily put them straight, but help them get onto a better path. So I'll talk to them and I'll be like, listen, man, you've got all your facts wrong. It's this, this, and this. You know, what's the issue here? What, what's the problem? And then you'll know sooner or later how they respond to you, whether they're actually open to, to having a conversation and, and 
acknowledging if they're wrong or whether they're just trolls. You'll know. I would write back and they'd be like, oh, so what exactly was, was the problem? Like, you know, at, at which part of the show and what episode are like, ah, yeah, I never watched the show lah. The trailer enough already. See, what the hell is this? Singapore, <laughs> hey, why no HTV? Why never go to Kopitiam? And I'm like, Oh my goodness! I'm like, oh man! Yeah, yeah you, you can watch if you watch all eight episodes and you actually you know who you didn't like because of the, of something they did or something they said or you knew that this wasn't quite right. Why did they do this? If you came back and you talked to me about it, then I'd be like, okay, you, you have a right to your personal opinion, but you have to at least have watched the show to have that opinion. You can't give a review. You can't give a review of a restaurant because the food was crap and you never went to the restaurant to go and eat the food in the first place, but you you heard it from someone else. You heard it from someone say, hey, you know, I went there, uh, the food was terrible. Oh, why? Uh, I don't know, lah. it was a bit too cold, the, the, too salty, it wasn't nice. Oh, okay, cool. So I won't go and eat there, but if someone ever asked me, or I'll, just... Ask, I'll just say all this again. But they, but they forget to say that I never went and I never went to eat there. It's, I just heard it's... from someone else. I've invited several of these kind of people out for coffee oh, or a meal. Oh. I said, come on, come Come, let's go. Let, let's, let's meet. Let's go. We'll have a copy. We'll have a chat. Not one single person has accepted my invitation. Oh, Not okay. one. You know why? <laughs> because they cannot. They, they, they won't know what to do. They don't know what to say if it happens face to face. You know, but I'm happy. I'm happy to sit down and have a chat. You know, and look, another thing is you can criticize. Sure, when you brought that up from that post, a lot of the criticism happened because, again, people just didn't have their facts straight. And in actual fact, a lot of them haven't hadn't even watched the show. It's like the one star reviews on Google, you know. Have you ever seen those? Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. yeah. Haven't yeah. been oh, there. Oh man. One star. <laughs> one star. Right. So that's when you get like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Singapore social girl. I think got a lot of one star from these kind of uh, people from Singapore. We like to think that this podcast does not exist in a vacuum. Someone somewhere is listening and found it helpful and inspirational. If you did or have any suggestions on how this podcast can be improved, we'd love to know. Just drop us a comment in the comment section below and email us at contact at creatorsatwork.asia to tell us. On that note then of information and misinformation, let's just get this straight. So Paul, you are a reality TV show star, you are an actor, you are a host, you're a national rugby player, businessman, eco-activist. What information have I not done? Have I not said? <laughs> what exactly are you? <laughs> wow. Yeah, look, I'm a, I'm a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I, I kind of do everything, but um, that's my life. You know, that, that's what I love doing. I just love going out there and doing everything. It, does, it doesn't matter what it is as long... And, and if I do it, it means that I actually enjoy doing it, right? I'm not one of those people that like, Say it's going to do something, then don't go and do. Like, you know, I feel like actions speak louder than words. But I'm also not the kind of person that will just go and do something for the sake of doing it for the for the gram, or just to do it to be like, okay, yeah, you know, I, I just because. Like, you want to do do for the right reasons, and I think um, more often than not, that's that's what I really stand by. What I show in in, in to the public is is really who I am and 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 what I do. Uh, yeah, I don't really shy away from that. And I think that's also why I fit very well into the whole reality kind of scope of things because... It's very real. I'm not trying to be someone else. I'm not trying to fake it till I make it. You know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just doing me, being me. And you like it and you resonate with it. Awesome. You both, also awesome. Because you don't have to like everything. It, it, it's fine. It's totally cool. Just don't be rude about it.
<laughs> and, and one of the things I think that's, that's really resonating with you, uh, especially in the last few years, we've seen, uh, we, we followed your social media and all that. You've become quite an, you got very serious about uh, as an eco-activist. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah, so I'm going, I'm going to put the two of you together now, the recycling, <laughs> the coffee recycling uh, business and eco-activist together. Maybe you can tell us, oh, why do you get so serious about, why do you take this so seriously, Paul? Yeah, that's right. It's become a little bit of your brand as well, right? That's yeah, yeah. Guys, I'm so, so grateful for the life I can live. Um, I know I'm very, very fortunate, you know, for many, many things. For me to be now associated with sustainability was, again, right time, right place. I've always cared for nature. I've always loved animals. I would be that kid that would be out playing all day and then suddenly I would come back and I have like a puppy or a kitten or a bird that I found that, that I found, you know, falling out of the tree in the long come or just alone somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Mom and dad would be like, oh my God, again, <laughs> you know, this, this, this guy. Um, and you know, growing up, we already were being told about pollution and how us as mankind is starting to really destroy planet Earth. So I already had that intrinsically wired in me. I've always had that. But in the age of information, as you know, it is now, it's so, it was, and, and social media, and I think this is where social media was fantastic. The right, the right use of social media to really spread the awareness and educate people on social good and, and problems and things that we, we need to know about so we can help. And I think with the digital age of information, wow, we really learned a lot. There was a lot of things that were starting to come out that was like, and, and you know, the data shows, right? It, it's taken a lot of time to be able to show like, hey guys, 30 years ago, it was this. Now it's like this. And you can start to see where things were going wrong. And if we weren't starting to scale back you know, we were really causing irreversible damage to to Mother Nature. So I've always I've I've always recycled. I've always tried to help. I I was learning, and again, sustainability is all a, all a journey. It, it really is a journey. It's one step at a time. You got to figure out what works for you in your lifestyle and what's realistic and where you can get to and what you can do um, in the in the most accessible way possible. So I think with the work that I do. Um, I've always supported three pillars, humans or people, animals, and nature. So these are three things, right? People, animals, nature. And these are always my foundations that I try to help with. Of course, there's so many things you can do in each pillar. When I started just to, to do more work with sustainability, it was kind of before the big wave, because this was about... 2017, 2018, again, with social media, doing things, uh, a couple of brands reached out and wanted to really work with me, Timberland being one, with their Nature, yeah, Nature Needs Heroes campaign, and Nespresso being the other, which of course, you, you, you work with a lot. So at first I was like, oh, okay, um, I, I was a bit like, oh. Wait, wait, what, 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 what are you guys talking about? What do we need to do? And then as I learned what they were both doing in terms of a brand standpoint and a multinational company, I was like, oh, okay. Because it took them quite a lot of years to, to, to do the right things, to put everything into process, 
to get the numbers, to get the data, so that if anyone ever calls them out, they can be like, here, text. We've got the numbers here. We've been doing it for a while now. And now we've set goals. We've set goals to keep on improving. And it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And I think kind of like 2017, 18 till now, a lot of companies are starting to, to do this now. They're trying, to, they're trying to be like, okay, we have to do better. We, 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 we have to put things into the process. We have to improve. We have to set goals. Um, and I was just lucky that I was kind of invited to help do this on the earlier part of everything um, because I was already kind of doing things. That, that, that's another thing I like to say. Like A lot of people can be like, hey, he wayang one la. He's, 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 a, he's fake. He, you know, he's, he doesn't do all that. It's like he, you he get just, paid for yeah. it. That's why you're doing it. Right, yeah. They, yeah. They, yeah, they're booking him. They paid him, obviously. So he's just, I'm like, no, no. I, that, I really do do it you know everything i do i put a i put a real effort into it in that sense and the more i do it the more i get better the more i can help educate the more i can help spread the 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 news and the word that you know it you can do it you just need to find your own path on how you want to do it so with Nespresso again perfect example i mean i went to a1 i went to your facility in wow, 2019 we moved even we've moved eh? we're not even in the same place anymore. oh you're not even there anymore I, oh I, I think you went to the old facility i'm not even the yeah, current I went to one, the right one in uh, yeah. woodlands <laughs> and we're all we've always been in woodlands but just okay. moving yeah. around <laughs> okay so i went to if i'm not wrong i went to i think it was 2018 if i'm not wrong so i went there and i learned how you know, your guys do it, how they put the capsules in, they shred the capsules and the aluminum goes one way and the coffee grounds goes another way. And that was great, you know. And then you, you pack up all the coffee grounds and you send it over to Sky Greens and they use it for their vertical farming. And then you get all the aluminum together and you do what you do with the aluminum and give it to someone that's going to recycle. Yeah, perfect. So, I can use that, that whole that whole yeah, line that you just said and then you can put it in my corporate video <laughs> exactly I mean if you need me to come down again and do it you can and that video was fantastic you know when we came in we shot that video and I learned about the process I was like ah it was really really nice and yeah I've been working with Nespresso ever since right I've been their tastemaker now uh, coming into my I guess into my fourth to fifth year if I'm not mistaken or fifth to sixth year yeah it's been it's been a great relationship and I learned a lot from that and that's just one brand that's just one partnership and uh, that goes across that goes across multiple brands that want to showcase their their sustainable efforts and and again i think that's honorable i think if they're doing the right thing and and wanting to do it i think that's correct it does take a moment and everyone's trying to figure it out uh but as long as an effort is being made that's the most important thing yeah, I think that's that's the best part about being in that business, right? Everybody is everybody knows you're not perfect, but as long as you're trying, that's that you're already on the right path. But for you yourself, you know, I think it's quite rare. I know we've spoken to quite a few different guests on this show where you are one of those who love what you're doing. And very importantly, because we speak to a lot of freelancers about this, is you get paid to do it as well. <laughs> I think that's an important thing, right? <laughs> I did. Well, yeah, okay. I don't always get paid, but yes, I, I, I do get yeah, paid. Not, not yes, for everything, yes. right? It's, yeah, but, it, yes, yes. Yeah, you know, you love you love being an entertainer. You you fell into it. And that's how you it, your career grew. This is something that you're passionate about as well, being an uh, environmental eco-activist. And somehow, you know, someone found you, like what you're doing as well, and 
you know, this is something that uh, whether you get paid or not to do it, they're engaging you to do it and be the face of it. This not something that a lot of freelancers who have passions about things can say for themselves. How has the journey you've been on shaped your psychology of work and psychology of money? Mm. Wow, that's a good question. That's a good question. So I've never let my work define who I am. Okay. I've never set out to seek this career to be famous. Like a lot, a lot of people in the entertainment industry, a lot of them, maybe they are like, we want fame. We want, we want fame and fortune. That's all we want. And we want to get to that level. So for me, it was never about that. It was just, oh, this is, this is actual work. This is a job where I'm getting paid so I can live. <laughs> I can, I can put food on the table and I can, I can, I can pay for my life. Like this is like important, you know? It just so happens, like you said, that uh, I really love what I do. I'm very fortunate as well. I mentioned earlier, I'm very lucky that the office that I work in is the world. I, I'm not, I don't have to go to my desk nine to five and sit there and, and do my job. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone has to find their own you know, career. And I think you, get, you just got to step back and just think like, whatever the job you're doing is, if you're not happy, if you have a chance to change that job, go for it. If you're happy, fantastic. If you love the work that you do, that's a huge bonus. Some people just stick it up because they're like, I hate my job, but I get paid damn well. So you know what? I'm just going to suck it up and do it because they want the money. So I'm very lucky where everything for me just fall, fell into one box. And I'm like, wow, I can hold this box and be like, you know what? Everything that I'm doing is, is what makes me happy. And yes, I have a career from it and, and it's great. Um, I don't let the money drive me because I don't think you should chase that kind of thing. I believe also you just do you, you just do the right things, give your positive energy out to the universe, the universe will give back to you somehow, somewhere along, along the way. I was very lucky again, right time, right place. I'll always go back to that because I always feel like I, I started in the analog era. I'm three, I'm three digital, right? So back in my day, so my first reality show, there was no social media for it. But maybe if there was, it might have been a different starting point to my career with social media because it becomes even more amplified. So I was, I was old school. I used to have to rock up to all the events, work my ass off, you know, and, and work the hours and be on the ground and go and do it, meet people, get the networks going, grow, do good, do better, get the next job, get the next job, get the next job, grow, grow, grow. And because I've been doing this for so long, I've been doing this for over 20 years, a lot of the people that were on the same level as me or would be booking me from a junior level of a production company or an agency or a brand, they've all now, you know, 20 odd years later, they're up, they're at the top now. Yeah, they're now. So yeah. these, these guys, so now and I'm with them, right? I've grown to a point where I get an inquiry for something and it could be because, you know, eventually you go through everything and the boss is like, I uh, don't even think about it, just book him, I know Paul. Or they'll, the boss... The guy at the top will message me and be like, "Hey, I think the, we're gonna book you last." Like, okay, cool. So it, you know, it's, it's it's it works like that because we've been working together for so long, and everyone's everyone's now they they own their own agency. So if they want me, they like contact me directly. You know, it's not even the, someone in the junior, not, not even a junior exec or whatever. So that's why I said that's very important. Relationships are super important, so important. 
which I think we've lost quite a lot of in the digital age because you could be speaking to someone and they have never have met them personally. And people get, people get booked all the time because they're like, oh, okay, lah, they've got 88,000 followers. Okay, good following. Lah. So why don't we just reach out to them? Why don't we just book them? And then we'll pay them, they'll do the job, and that's it. It's that's it. Transactional. Done. Good, good job, bad job, whatever, 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 whatever. Don't even know the person, never even met. In the last two years, especially, that's happened a lot because we never had a chance to actually meet in the last two years. But even before that, I was noticing this a lot. And I was like, I completely hey, agree. Man. Yeah, yeah I, I'm more of a people person. So I'm like, hey, I'm happy to meet. I'm happy to like engage. I'm happy to be out there. Um, and because I have to do it back in the day, it's kind of come full circle now where what happened was I went out, I reached back out to all my brands, all my partnerships that I work with and be like, listen, if you need any help, if you need to do anything, just let me know. It's okay. No budget is okay. Let's just, let's just work. Let's just do stuff. And you also invested a lot of local businesses. Uh, <laughs> I, tr- I try to. So what kind of business is your vibe actually that makes you want to go invest in it? You know, I think any business, that's a good business. I mean, why, why do you invest into something? I think first and foremost, you have to believe in it. And whether you believe in it for its core values or whether you believe in it as it being a potential successful business, you know, these are things you have to be very, I guess, aware of before you make a decision, especially because you're investing money. <laughs> and this, I tell people all the time, like, if you are going to invest money into anything, that is money that you're willing to lose because not everything works. I mean, I've invested into a lot of businesses and I don't think really any of them have, have really been <laughs> successful, really. But it happens. It happens, right? And, I, and I've learned. And I've learned it's okay because I can just continue doing what I do to earn my living. And if I was ever going to invest into something, that's, again, the extra cash that I had that I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll try. I'll support this. Uh, if it works, great. If it doesn't, hey, we give it a shot. You so know, what are the kind yeah. of things you've given a shot to? Okay, let's see. We did the mobile app, right? I brought the mobile app out back. That was my first one. I invested into a nightclub. Very hard business. That one's very, very hard business industry to do. We had a valet. We have a valet app. Actually, we still do, but it, it kind of obviously went a little bit dead but basically basically we started as a nighttime valet app as our own independent uh, service dre valet and then and then we realized actually no point being our own because there's only about 10 guys in Singapore that own all the valet companies so what, what we became was the aggregator we became like the grab or uber of the valet app of the valet valet services but we did it because we had the app we had the technology and we were able to then just work with these these guys in these companies and uh, connect the dots for everyone. So uh, yeah, we're gonna see a trend here. Yeah, all like vertical, all verticals to the, your your well, business. Yeah, I mean we're, we're gonna we're gonna start that back up again uh, now that things are opening up. I am part of Singapore Restaurant Week, so uh, we 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 rekindled Singapore Restaurant Week, which Espresso is actually one of our uh, our sponsors for. But uh, that's been going well the last couple of years. Someone else had the rights, lost the rights, so we took over. Uh, I've invested into Crust, which is Singapore's first local sustainable beer. So we make beer from, for example, from bread. Bread that's about to expire, that would normally be thrown away, we would take and we would make beer from that bread. Get our bread from cold storage, from Red Mart, from you know, bakeries, and then we do a coffee ale. We use like the soon-to-expire coffee beans from Better Coffee, Nitro Cold Brewed It. 
use that to make a coffee ale, pumpkin and quinoa from uh, Salad Stop and the Good Food People, use that to make uh, another beer. So we have our flagship beers and then we have our sustainable collaboration beers with companies, hotel groups, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you can buy it at Cold Storage, you can buy it at NTUC, you can buy it at Red Mart, you can buy it on Food Panda, you can order it directly from Crust. So we have a beer that we've done with Cold Storage. And then we have the Food Panda and a Red Bud beer as well. And then the other beers are all available anyways. Speaking of fail then, what's the stupidest thing you've done with your money? Because you say you invest money you need to lose. Yeah. <laughs> what's, the, what's the stupidest thing you've done with your money in your life? Wow. And you thought, well, no way am I going to do that again? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the stupid thing to do. Because I, I always think that if, you, if you're willing to take a risk, it should be a calculated risk. You, you obviously had to do some sort of research or something or, or perhaps your intention was correct it was a good intention so i wouldn't say it's stupid like i, I learned like i learned i've learned the hard way i learned like investing into the into the nightclub you know what that was a lot of money if it worked great but i've lost it and you know i will not go down that road again because that requires a lot of your own not just the money anymore it requires a lot of your own effort to really help the business which i didn't have the time for i used to club all the time sure but it's different when it's your club it's one of those things so i realized like what make all this money but then put it there and lost it didn't make i must just keep working and keep that money and do it for other things that you need need it for right but i also feel like when opportunity comes and at that point in time at the beginning when you want to invest in something because something has been proposed to you that has potential you should you should go for it if you have an opportunity and it was a viable business opportunity go for it you just got to make sure it's something that you can commit to in terms of the value of the money, but also, also very hard to just be a silent partner. You need to be, you need to help in the business to, 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 to help make it work. Yeah. I mean, look, last year I lost quite a bit of money because I was trying to help someone out because they got into financial trouble. Um, again, it's not the stupidest thing I've done, but I learned a lot from it. So it was a very expensive lesson. And I don't, I can't say it's stupid because my intention was correct. I wanted to help this person and I did a lot of things and I gave a, not just money. I did a lot of things. I helped so much because I thought this person needed it. And then slowly over time, I was learning, okay, now look, I dug, I, literally I pulled you out of your hole and I covered it up and then you dug your hole again. And once I learned that, I was like, okay, yeah. I was like, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. What time already come out? I already, already put. So I'm like, I, I, I can't, I can't help you anymore because I, now I see now I see why you're in the problem in the first place even though even though I did everything to get you out of the hole so again so not don't, don't fool me twice huh? yeah 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 if, if I came a second time then it was a, then it would have been stupid but you know I'm also at a point in my life and my career where I can earn money back money is not everything and you know that person was a lot older I, I get it whatever the situation was I now understand, now I see the full picture, so now I understand and I know, okay, you know, it, it was probably doomed from the start, but again, my intention was to help. But for me, it's okay. I can still work. I can still earn back. And it might take time, of course, but I can still earn back and that's okay. So, so yeah. So with all these things you've learned and all these things you've shared and and all these businesses that you've experienced them. Um, I'm curious to know that what is next for you in terms of, you know, if you were to go back into do another business again or something. What, right. Yeah. Uh, oof. 
Okay, I I think right now I'm looking at a lot of still sustainable, renewable energy investments. What I would like to look at next, though, is something outside of Singapore. So I need to diversify my portfolio a little bit. Singapore's fantastic. Singapore's great. It's a great entry micro market to launch anything or to start things off because we have, you know, 6 million people with a high disposable income. Consumerism is quite hard. It's a market that you can penetrate. And if you do it right, it opens up your your gateway to the rest of Southeast Asia and Asia. And you can copy and paste your strategy and framework if you can launch it and make it work here. That's why I think Singapore's only, we do so much here. Businesses and brands do so much here. It's quite, it's quite insane. I mean, the amount of launches and, and everything, right, that we do. or it, It's a it, great it's, it's great. place, it, yeah. Exactly. Because again, you, if it works in a small market like this, like this micro market, then you, it technically should work in broader markets and bigger markets around the world, technically, because the formula has proven successful. And you just copy and paste, you go, 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 go. So we have a lot of that, which is super cool, which is, again, a lot of my work comes from, which is amazing. Uh, but I still think launching a, a few things here in my lifetime, I realized, you know what, I need to now look outside of Singapore and try to see if I can invest in other opportunities outside in different markets um, in different portfolios and see whether these catch on. So that, that that's what I'm looking at next. Um, I love the property market. I've been pretty lucky with some of my investments in the property market in Singapore. So I'm currently looking at a few things for that as well. Although you need a lot of money for the property market here in Singapore. <laughs> so that, 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 one, that one might have to take a little bit of a bit more time. But again, with, with whatever I've done before, I'm trying to figure out a strategy which allows me to capitalize on the next wave so that's still in progress so you know i'm still figuring it out but uh yeah locally property or any other opportunities that come up globally other investments for sustainability and renewable energies if possible so so you've talked about how you expanded your business now how you may expand your business portfolio like this uh, you've also expanded your entertainment portfolio. Now you're hosting shows with your mum. <laughs> yeah, you can tell <laughs> so us about that. What is it like to hold, to hold to you know your your best host ever is your mum? What is it like to work with her? Oh, mum's great. Look, mum, mum's like the life of the party. You know, she parties more than me. Uh, you know, she's she's seventy four. She she's had a great life, a hard life to start with, but a great life nonetheless. You know, she five children two grandchildren. She loves going out and, and being with with people. So I definitely get 50% of who I am socially from her. I was very lucky. My, my dad was but, the same. My dad was how the second same. Wow, how do you persuade her to like, go come on the show and host Cooking Lamb with me? And stuff? Uh, I, think when, well, I think it's easy when it comes to food because she's such a great cook and I grew up eating her food, right? Like, I again, me loving food, my love of food definitely comes from dad because he ate everything. But definitely from mom because she cooked a lot. She can she cooks amazingly well. She cooks all cuisines amazingly well. So I grew up eating East and West all the time, right? We used to eat so much and it was fantastic. So that's a passion for us. If it was non-food, it's difficult. Then I have to persuade her. If it's food, it's a lot easier because she can at least associate that. Uh, a little bit more so yeah coming out and cooking with me uh, easy peasy for mom for the cooking the hosting she's gotten a lot better I'll tell you that she's gotten a <laughs> lot better uh, doing the shows with me uh, but at the same time you kind of want that from mom you know you want her 
her her quirky natural behavior that comes out on camera because she's super cute and and all that and you know I'm glad you mentioned mom because I don't care if like I got a lot of criticism or a lot of hate from Singapore Social personally or the show in general but my mom got 100% love she that no one said <laughs> no one said touch wood no one said anything bad against my mom i think everyone kind of saw her and they were like okay you know what can give to anyone else but but mrs but foster auntie mrs. joyce <laughs> paul's mom cannot cannot she was just like straight up like og like everyone was like your mom was awesome she was super cool you could see that she was full of love and so much fun and you know your storyline was really good it's very emotional and all that sort of stuff so i think um no matter what at the end of the day like i said i was really happy that she got a lot of love she got a lot of fans from around the world and that made me really happy yeah yeah oh that's so nice that's so cute <laughs> oh yeah paul any more acting are you are you in any more shows Ma was hosting a very long variety show for channel 5 Kamokakis took almost two years for us to film. I mean, there's been a couple of roles that have been offered to me, but time-wise, schedule-wise, I couldn't fit into it, or I just the roles weren't the roles weren't enough. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, look, if if, if I always say if a, if a if a good role comes up with a good script, working with a with a good team, I'll I'll do it. And then time permits, I have the schedule, I'll do it. Of course, work is work. What? It's a very big difference, right? When you said you love what you do. And being yeah. passionate, right? And being passionate because I think that's two completely different things. Correct. And, and, pe- and people get very confused. And, and, they, and they all, yeah, but and also being able to say no is super important. You know, when you get to that level, and you're not saying no in a rude way, you're basically just deciding that you don't want to do a particular job for whatever reason. It, you know, you don't even have to explain your reason to someone if you don't want to because that's a personal choice. You, can, but. When you're in a position that you can decline a job, it means that's a good that's a good position to be in. You know, when you're just starting out, when you're hustling, just take wait, 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 just take, 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 because you have no choice. You need to work. I distinctly remember when when it happened to me when I was able to be like, oh, actually, I don't need to say yes to this job, and I was like, oh my god, the the, the empower empowerment I got from that was like, oh, okay. Maybe this means I've made it. I've made it to a point in my my career where I can just just decline, politely decline a job because I wanted to do something else. So another job at a lower pay, or go on holiday, or volunteer work, or just sit at home and be able to get some alone time. And that's a special moment. So yeah, yeah. It felt like it feels like um adulting all over again. Like, yeah. <laughs> You know, there's yeah. that point where you feel like, oh, there's my paying bills and then I earn my first paycheck. And then after that, I'm able to say no to a paycheck. And it's like, mm. A future episode of the Uncool Podcast could be made for you. That's right. There's cool sponsorship and collaboration opportunities available to help you grow your business and your audience. We're super excited about this and how we can incrementally make your business cool. Just drop us an email at contact at creatives.work.asia to find out more. So, if our listeners would like to be like you, Paul, and they wanted to, you know, come in, newcomers sort of break into the media industry and so on, what advice do you give them? I think there's a lot to do, to be honest. I think it's tough to to break into to this market. I mean, any market, right? It's very competitive. The world is a very competitive place at the moment. So, I think be yourself, be authentic, be genuine. Have an approach where people matter 
establish relationships, be good, be true, you know, create, create these, these symbiotic relationships where you want to strive to do well in every area of your life. Don't just try to be like, Oh, I'll, I'll you know, I want to just do this. I think if you just do everything overall and live a good life and, and Hey, look, I said, it's hard. So you need to go out there and you need to hustle. You need to hustle. You need to go out on all fronts, all cylinders and just smash it. And, and make sure you do this, connect with people, connect with people, get a good relationship so that they remember you as well. You know, they, they, they remember that they remember that I'm not just booking this person, you know, to work with because he's a great at his or her job. I actually respect and like this person also, which helps because you want to work with people that that you get along with as well. You know, right, right, right. And I yeah. want it to sure be you, a pleasant experience. Exactly. Well. I mean, sure you would know if you're on set and you have to like deal with multiple talent and crew at the same time. If you get a negative energy on set, especially no, no, when you're, no, no it, thank it, you. Yeah, it doesn't work, right? It's like ah. Unless of course the scene requires a negative energy, then okay. Then then you then you want a bit of this. It's good, but generally you still you know you you can make that happen. But if you don't have the good vibe and good energy already, you you can't fake that. That's sometimes really hard to naturally to get with people. So if they think about you, they think about you in a good way. I think that's quite. They, and if they remember you in a good way, they think about you in a good way. That's already you're already one step up because that's something. That's something that you. You know, you can't, you can't fake again. So go out there and earn it. You know, you, you got to go and earn it. My advice, go hustle, earn it. You, you got to go out there and you just got to, you got to, you got to kick ass and do it, but do it, do it in the right way. Do it the right way and do it for the be right nice. reasons. Yeah. Do it, do it for the right. Yeah. Be nice. Do it for the right reasons. Not everything is about money. Not everything is about money. I like what you're saying, though. I mean, I like what you're saying, but the, I think, but the reality, right, is that the whole nature of this business, like, you know, whether you say going on set and so on, is very expensive. It's very time consuming. There's a lot of moving parts. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking, like, since I've got so many moving parts and all these things to, you know, and all these uh, uh, resources that I'm spending in, why don't I just give it to someone seasoned like Paul? Why should I go give it to this newcomer? Well, why should I take a chance at this newcomer? And then I'll just go back and get Paul again. So, so if you're in the shoes of a newcomer and not Paul, how are you going to break into that niche industry <laughs> given that, this kind of uh, conditions? You know, there's, a, there's always a role for someone. So there's a smaller chance that a newcomer to the industry would be challenging me for a role, more often than not, especially when it comes to acting. I mean, I'm already the older guy, right? So if you're a newcomer, the, the chance is lower. Hosting, different story. Hosting because you want the right host on stage to, to, to run the show or, or to do the travel log. And sometimes with hosting, that one you need experience. So what I would say is, Go out there and hustle. Go and do the road shows. I started out doing charity events for free or for token, token appreciation payment because you need to get something on, you need to get the experience. You need to get something on paper. You need to show that you're able to do what you do, right? And then from there, build yourself up. Find, find the right people. Put yourself out there. Again, now maybe there's more chance and you could, you could really put yourself out there with the social media, but, but, Go, go, go and hustle. Sometimes you might not get the big role straight away, but maybe you've got to go and like do some other kind of job with that events company or with the agency or on production or, or, or whatever, or just, 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 again, just hustle and work with your rate, work, work your way up because you, again, money's not everything. So 
sometimes I find, again, there's a lot of times where they're like, you know, a client doesn't have budget. And that's cool. I get it. So I'd be like, listen, that might be a little bit, you know, that's not my rate, but I can recommend someone else to you. And then I'll try to like help connect the dots. So I feel like if you're entry, maybe try and do that. But there are times also where if the event was the right thing and they don't have a budget, but they need help, especially for local or charities, I will do it because they need someone. And, you know, I think that's, that's an honor to be asked to, 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 to do things like that. So I feel also it's a journey. You've got to find your place. You've got to get out there. And you, you just, you just got to hustle for it. You know, you got, you got to show people why, why, why did they have to book you? There has to be something about you that means they're going to book you. That's all. That's all. I mean, end of the day, have something. You might not be great on stage yet. But damn, you were such a nice person. You respected everyone. And there was something about you that just sat in your client's mind. They're like, you know what? We couldn't use that person for this one. But next one, I think I want to use it for a smaller event, smaller thing. I want to book that person because I, I got a good vibe from, from them. And that's how you start. So Paul, uh, thank you so much. Uh, here's a question we ask all our guests uh, to close the show. When were you, Paul Foster, the most uncool? What will you say to yourself then? What will your current self say to your past self? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. It's tough for you. When yeah, were you uncool? I, that's why I, didn't know uncool. I, was, I don't know whether I was ever uncool. I mean, you know, uh, it's a bit harsh to say, I guess. Like, I've been kind of lucky, like I said. I, I know I always bring up luck, but I really do think that plays a, a big role in many people's lives. I kind of went through school with the right groups of people. I played sports, so that also put me into a different level uh i managed to do well enough in the army do well enough at uni carve out a career where i'm able to really just be myself and go out there but i also feel like my whole life to a certain extent has always been leading to, to what i do anyways because i've just always done this so there was an ever a point that you were uncool for foster i would say to you don't worry about it it's okay because you still have your whole life ahead of you to do what you're meant to do, to be who you're meant to be. As I've said throughout this whole episode, be a good person, go out there, just be you, do you, work hard, and give the love out to the universe. And I really, really, truly believe that the universe will give that back in one way, shape, or form at some point in your life. You might be like, oh, no, I want someone that's more artistic. I want someone who can play, someone who, who plays an instrument. Like for me, I think a really, really attractive attribute and skill is someone who can sing because I can't sing. That's like the one thing I can't do. I can't sing. I'm musically terrible. And I look at singers and I'm like, wow, you are like super hot because you have an amazing voice and you can sing so yeah yeah i yeah. think in my in my school when i went to school um we didn't have a lot of sports it wasn't a very sport-centric school but um, music talent seemed to be floating around so that was always like you know if you could play the piano and the guitar and a great five and that kind of thing like oh my god, my god. So cool. yeah <laughs> that guy has skills man yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was different. <laughs> the, the digression aside. Uh, so if, if people want to follow you, Paul, and your socials, where can our listeners do that? Well, I'm very active on Instagram. So that's at Paul Foster with three R's on the end, triple R. Uh, not because I'm, I'm R-rated, but it just happened to be that. Because there's another one already, eh? that one taken, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I don't know, actually. <laughs> I think it went, it went to, I don't even know why, to be honest, actually, yeah. But there's a lot, there's a lot of Paul Fosters in the world. There's a lot of Paul Fosters in the world. It's a very common name. Yeah, 
Yeah, but only one, only, only one, only one original lah. Only one original. Only one's the mayor of Singapore, man. Yes, yes, yes. The mayor of Singapore. Yeah, I met, I met, I met quite a lot of mayors. You know, all our mayors of all the districts of Singapore. But I'm still the mayor of Singapore, so that's that's yeah. that's great. So follow Paul on his Instagram and remember, you can recycle coffee capsules as well as all the other recyclables. Uh, and I think in general, just be good and be nice. So if you want to hear from our other guests coming out on our new episodes, you want to catch up old episodes, uh, just drop us a like, subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. Why, why haven't you? And uh, I'll tell your friends about us, right? Drop us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. You know, just support us because it's cool to be uncool. Like this show? Then rate it five stars and subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uncool is a podcast by creatives at work. It is produced, written, and hosted by Sean Lee Winchong and co-hosted by Yenling Lo, co-produced by Raven Lim, and edited by Ray Ng. Uncool. It's cool to be uncool. On the next episode of Uncool, I think over the years, the, the love for money kind of like diminished. So previously, when I first graduated, you know, it's like uh, we need to be a millionaire by 30 years old. So I need to take risks. I need to go and look for all those uh, very high risk uh, investment products. But uh, over time, uh, I have a few life and death experience uh, over the years. So I nearly died in my late 20s. So that kind of changed my mindset about money. Uncool. New episodes every Saturday.